The last two Sundays, we're going to be in James chapter 2 in just a few moments, but the last two Sundays, we have, I, I feel like we've reveled in the very bedrock of our Christianity, which is our faith. We've had a platform prayer line, and we watched miracles unfold before our very eyes, proven miracles that have happened that took place that day. Then last week, we broke out our umbrellas, shattered all of your superstitions, broke out our umbrellas in expectation of God's blessings over our lives and over our families. I was talking to my son on the phone, and Ben asked me, of course, he's living in Richmond now, he asked me on the phone, he said, Dad, how did the umbrella service go? And I said, I, I thought it went great. I mean, some might have thought their pastor had lost his mind, to which he replied, well, at least you weren't handling snakes. Now, there's some perspective for you. I will go on record to say, if I ever handle a snake, it will not be intentional. But in James chapter 2, we're going to conclude this series today on faith and talk about when faith acts out. When faith acts out. James chapter 2, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Beginning at verse 14. What does, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, uh, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And I felt led to add another verse, and it's the last verse of the chapter. Skip down to verse 26. Listen to what it says. It says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That's the Word of God for all of us. Pray with me. Father, we bless you today. We thank you today for your Word. It is alive. It's quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I believe it's going to speak to us today. I believe we're going to be challenged. I believe we're going to be convicted. But that's what your Word is intended to do. And I pray right now that we would receive the Word of God with gladness. And Lord, it would change us from the inside out. We give you glory and honor and praise for these things. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. So again, today we close out this series on faith without a lot of special effects without a, a lot of fanfare, but with a, a very forthright word as it relates to our faith. I, I do believe that faith must reach out. Faith must reach out. The Scripture proves it, admonishes it, commands it. I believe also that faith must cry out. I believe there are times that we need to lift our voice to God. 
I never see a license for just silence before the Lord. There is times for that. But I believe there are times that faith needs to cry out to God. We need to lift our voices to God. Some extremely valuable lessons that we learned from the woman with the issue of blood and from blind Bartimaeus the last two weeks, and I'm not going to go back and highlight all of them, but I'm going to mention one from each. We learned from the woman with the issue of blood in that miracle that God wants to expose our faith, or He wants to make a spectacle of our faith so that it will bring glory and honor to His name. And that's why she just didn't get away with getting her miracle and slide back into the crowd. The Lord wanted to expose her faith because shortly thereafter there would be many others in the very next chapter that would touch the hem of His garment and would be healed. We also learn through the blind man that when you cry out to the Lord, it is not enough to acknowledge his kingship. There were many, and blind Bartimaeus started out that way, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, which acknowledged his kingly authority. But in fact, we learn that somehow he had had some kind of a connection with Jesus already because when he reached out or when he cried out and said, Lord, that I may receive my sight, he said, my Lord, my master. There was a personal relationship that was already in place. Again, faith must reach out. Again, faith must cry out to God. And today we will discuss when faith acts out. Faith acts out. You see a child in the store and they're acting up and you want to help correct them but they're not your child. Or they're acting out and you want to give some wisdom and some counsel to the parents that are not doing anything about it. There's a temper that is being manifested a tantrum that is being thrown. They're acting out. They're acting up. The Bible calls for our faith to be an active faith. We will not address one particular miracle today, but I want to share about several briefly and talk about an active faith. In the Gospels, you see Jesus. He's displaying His power Multiple, multiple times. But you also see action in the candidate that needed the miracle. For example, in John chapter 4, the nobleman heard Jesus say in verse 50, Go your way. Your son is going to live. Then he had to take that word from Jesus and he had to walk in faith all the way back home, believing that the word spoken was going to come to pass. The man at the pool of Bethesda, he waited on some man to come by when the angel was stirring the water and, and to pick him up and put him in the water. But when Jesus came by in John chapter 5 and verse 8, he just simply said, you need to rise up, take up your bed, and walk. He had to, he had to take on some action. It wasn't enough to say, I believe. I had to, he had to put some action to it. The Scripture says that Jesus told his disciples, launch out into the deep. And when you do, I want you to also let down your net. And when they did it in Luke chapter 5, they took in so many fish that they had to have help from their friends because their nets were breaking. They had to launch out and they had to let down. The leper of the same chapter saw Jesus and he fell down saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. His action was that he fell down and he, he worshipped Christ and he, he reverenced Christ. You know, it's great to have four friends like the one man had in the Bible. He had four friends that were so faithful to him receiving his miracle that they literally tore the roof off of where Jesus was gathered with a multitude of people. 
And they, they literally lowered the man down in the presence of the miracle worker. They, they had that much faith to believe that Jesus was going to touch him and heal him. But when Jesus saw the man in his midst, he told the man that it was time for him to get up and put his bed on his back and walk away and be made whole. So it wasn't enough for his friends to get him there. He had to have some action to his own faith. The man in Bethsaida, he was a blind man. He didn't know Jesus, but he had to take Jesus by the hand. He had to allow Jesus to lead him out of the town limits, and that's how he received his miracle. Peter had to go fishing at the Lord's command to find a coin to pay the taxes for the ministry. The man with the withered hand did not stretch forth his good hand, no friend, when he was commanded, he stretched forth his withered hand. Boy, I could stop right there, and I could just talk to you for a few minutes about he didn't give Jesus his best image. He gave Jesus his mess. Oh, some of y'all didn't get that. He could have stretched out his good hand. He only had one withered hand, but when Jesus commanded him to stretch forth his hand, he didn't hesitate. He reached his mess out there, and as he did, his arm began to grow, and his hand began to form, and he was healed by the power of Christ. It took some action. Think about this. Let me capsulize it. These actions of faith. Walk by faith, rise up by faith, take up your bed by faith, launch out into the deep by faith, go fishing by faith, fall down at the feet of Jesus by faith, take Jesus by the hand of faith, stretch forth your withered hand by faith. You see the thread of continuity in these and other miracles in the Word of God. There is an action that is put into place, and then the faith is honored with a miracle from the hand of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want God to do some miracles in my life. I want to see God touch some family members' hearts. I want to see the Lord provide financial blessing and miracles that I can't fathom or comprehend. There's need for healing to flow in my family and in family members, and I believe God can do it, but I'm telling you, sometimes there is some steps of action that need to take place that create a platform for God to do His greatest work. One day a few years ago, I was disturbed by a question, and I still find it disturbing today. And that's when one person asked another pe a person, what faith are you? You ever asked that question or heard that question? Maybe somebody asked you that question. What faith are you a part of? It's like saying, what, what religion or denomination are you? It's, it's treating faith like it is a noun or, or simply a title. But I'm telling you today, God never intended for faith just to be a noun or a title. In fact, furthermore, he intended for faith to be a verb, an action, a movement. And we believe and we act on that belief. And when we, when we do, God honors our faith because we back it up with actions that prove our intent and show that we're desperate for a miraculous intervention from Almighty God. We have to be vigilant with our faith. We have to be violent with our faith. Believing that divine moment will change the rest of our lives. I like to put it this way. You must seek for your miracle. You must seek for your miracle. You must snatch your miracle. Now, what does that mean? Seeking for your miracle is one thing, but you say, well, snatch for your miracle. What, what does that mean? That means you're not going to let anybody deter you. You're not going to let anybody renounce your faith. You're not going to let anybody put doubt into your mind. You're snatching your miracle. I'm believing for it. I may not see it today, but I'm still going after it. I'm still reaching into the unseen with hands raised, and I'm going to pull it from the unseen into the scene for my good and for the glory and honor of the Lord. And then you have to secure it. Because I'm telling you right now, you can receive a miracle from the Lord, and then something wavers after the miracle happens, and it seems like the miracle's trying to get away from you. 
And so you just have to say, you know what? I'm not only going to seek it and snatch it, but I'm going to secure it. What God has given to me, the devil is not going to take away from me. I receive my miracle, and it is mine for all of eternity. I'm going to seek, I'm going to snatch, and I'm going to secure in the name of Jesus. Is your faith really walking today, though? Are you a hearer of the word, or are you a doer of the word? Can you honestly say today, Pastor, I've reached out, I've cried out, and God, whatever it takes, I'm going to act out my faith, and I will watch the miracle become mine. See, I believe it's kind of a three-dimensional. It's kind of that triangular prism, if you will. You got to reach out by faith, you got to cry out by faith, and you have to act out by faith. What biblical actions can I take, Pastor, that will make me the greatest candidate for a miracle in my life? These are not complicated, these are things that we've heard for years. We'll call them four things to create your action platform of faith. Four things. They're so simple that you can commit them to memory. But I guarantee you, if you will put these four things into place, after you've been reaching out and crying out, you will see God do miraculous things like you can't imagine or dream. The first thing is, is that prayer needs to become a high priority. We say it. We say it in, in our classes. We say it in the sanctuary. We practice it every Sunday. And yet, it's amazing how many people live from one Sunday to the next Sunday, and they never talk to Jesus in prayer. They fly and wing it off of a Sunday morning experience. I'm telling you, your prayer and worship time has to radically change for God to do something significant in your life. If, you, if, you're only, if your only prayer time is an hour on Sunday morning, I'm telling you, you may be impressing people, but you are not impressing Jesus at all. Last time I checked, this was still a relationship. Last time I checked, this is not religion. Last time I checked, it doesn't matter what is over the sign or what is over the name of the church. What's most important is who is Lord of your life, whose name is over your heart, who has your highest affection and your greatest devotion. And that cannot happen until you daily commune with Jesus through prayer. The God that we serve wants us to aspire to pray without ceasing to pray without ceasing. I just read this this morning. I think it was Max Lucado who said, pray without ceasing and, and when necessary, use words. And I will be the first to admit that I, I haven't arrived, but it does tell us how important to our Heavenly Father daily communion and prayer is to Him. And can I, just, can I just take it further this morning and tell you, you need to be praying with your spouse. Come on. So, oh, that was weak. Come on now. Husbands, you need to be praying with your wives. Wives, you need to be praying with your husbands. If the husband's not being spiritual enough, wife, sometimes we're a little slow. Sometimes we're a little dense. Sometimes you got to, my wife had to do it with me. She said to me, I want us to pray before we go to sleep every night. I, I don't know why I didn't come up with the idea, but she's the one that said it to me, and I'm in the ministry, and she's the one that said it to me, and we've been praying every night before we go to sleep. Now, I'm telling you, there is power when husbands and wives pray together. Are y'all out there this morning? You need to pray with your children. I don't care how cool or uncool it is. And if you'll start young with the little ones, they'll just get used to it. And while I may not like everything... That's going on in my child's life right now. One thing I can stand on, and that is from the moment that that kid started school every day, when it was 
when, it was, when he was young, it was okay to lay hands on him. When he got older, he was like, I don't know if I want you laying hands on him. We still put our arms around each other, or we still held hands. Before we got in the car, before he got on the bus, I was going to uh, pray over that boy. It was a determination that we had. Last time I checked, the promises of the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. I'm telling you, you pray over your kids. Your pray not just today makes a difference, but your prayer over them will make a difference in their tomorrow and for eternity. Pray with your children. Pray, pray, pray. Pray in the location and the time of your choosing and demand that the family respects it. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. What kind of house would Jesus call yours? Well, preacher, he was talking about the temple. You sure that's all he was talking about? Did you know that Peter, in his epistle, called every one of us, spiritual houses. Oh, it's there. Go look it up. Did you know Paul in his letter called every one of us temples of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask you again. Would Jesus call your house, you, a house of prayer? Would he call your temple a temple of prayer? I like the way Mark Batterson says it. He says, God will not answer 100% of the prayers you don't pray. God will not answer 100% of the prayers that you don't pray. You never pray, and yet you expect God to meet your need. It's not going to work. He wants his people to be people of prayer. Second. Use the authority of Scripture. <laughs> Use the authority of Scripture. So what does that mean? That means read it. <laughs> There's a thought. You would be shocked through research how little across the board believers actually know the Bible. Read it. Pray it. Memorize it. Quote it. Get it in your spirit. Get it in your memory bank. The Holy Spirit will be there, Jesus said, to bring it back to your remembrance. But you have to plant it there first. There's a lot of things the Holy Spirit will do for you, but this is one of those things where you got to plant it first, and then when the crisis comes up and the miracle is needed, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will cause that promise to rise up again inside of your soul, inside of your mind, inside of your heart. And then you'll be able to stand on that promise for your miracle. <laughs> Learning Bible is not just for preachers. It's not. It's for everyone. Long time before God called me to preach, he drove me to memorize verses that are still to this day, Brother Dan, they're very fresh and powerful to me. If you're here today, if you're, if you're sitting in this room or you're watching online and you need healing in your body, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to look up every verse on healing 
Start praying it, start quoting it, start reading it over and over again. The Bible says, you sent forth your word and it brought healing. In another place, God said, I am the Lord your God that heals you. In yet another place, in Isaiah and then repeated in Peter's letter, by his stripes you are, you were healed. By his stripes you are healed. Well, is there power in that? Absolutely there's power in that. When you speak it, you're speaking Jesus. When you're speaking, you're speaking the life-giving word of the Lord. The Bible says this word is forever settled in heaven. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. I'm telling you, there is still power in the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring about your miracle. has to become a part of who you are. Now you have to be led by the Spirit. But I'll never forget Jensen Franklin when he was a teenager. was deathly sick. I mean, the fever was dangerously high. He was knocking on death's door. And as a young believer, he said the Lord spoke to him. He told him to cut every verse on healing out of the Bible and to eat it. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But he did it. And today... How many thousands of people is he reaching week in and week out? How many thousands and uh, hundreds of thousands of people he's reaching around the world? He's become the voice of fasting ministry in our movement, in our day. The voice of fasting and the movement of fasting and how much power there is with fasting and prayer. I'm telling you, he's an anointed man of God, a great preacher of the gospel. But imagine what he would have done had he been disobedient back then. But I'm telling you, he knew there was power in the scripture. He was obedient to the Holy Spirit. I've come by to tell someone today, the scripture says that we've got to esteem his words even more necessary than our natural food. We need the power that is in the word of God. Scripture. And the third thing I'll tell you is you need to hunger for the house of God. We have life groups, Sunday school every Sunday morning, 9.30. We have midweek connect every Wednesday from 7 to 8. We have a men's prayer group that meets 6.30 every Tuesday evening. We have our women's prayer meets every Wednesday morning at 11. We have social functions and various small group ministries that happen that keep us connected to each other. We need relationships with each other. When you connect to, a, to the larger body or when you connect to a small group within the body, you are favoring yourself and pointing yourself to the house of God. You're connecting with the people of the Lord. We need him, and we need each other. We expect God to move in our house, but we neglect his house. Come on now. Y'all still out there? I know y'all lost an hour of sleep. Bless your hearts. got to have the house of God. I don't know how close we are to the coming of Jesus. I know we're closer than we were yesterday. I know we're closer than we were an hour ago. When I see the prime minister of Israel trying, Naphtali, trying to 
negotiate peace between Russia and Ukraine. If you're a student in Scripture at all, that makes me shudder. Knowing what I know about Russia and their role in the end time prophecies. Iran's still acting up. North Korea's still acting up. How we avoid conflict, I have no clue. Because just this morning I read the latest attack was within 15 miles of a NATO ally. Oh, are the NATO allies going to stay out of the crossfire? Doubt it. Well, you know when they hit a NATO ally, you know what that means, don't you? We're bound and obligated to get involved then. We can say that the only effects of what's happening over there is gas prices over here, but we are, we'd be solely wrong, totally wrong to believe that. I don't know. I'm telling you. Are we on the verge of World War III? Are we on the verge of a global conflict? I know what David said. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. <laughs> I know he said, the zeal for thine house has eaten me up. In another place he said, I, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Just let me keep the door. Just let me be part of the first impression team. Man, Chris and Cammie come in, man, they were ready today. 15 degrees, they got toboggans on, they got their hats on, but they were determined they were going to welcome people to the house of the Lord. That scripture applies. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to be anywhere in the tents of wickedness. I got to get to the house of God. You're looking at a grieving pastor that has watched two years ago this week as souls that I love and care for have dropped off the scene out of this church family. And it's happened not only here, it's happened in every church across our county. It's happened in every church across our country. COVID has wreaked havoc. But I'm telling you, we need to sound the clarion call. If there's ever a time for God's people to get back together in the house of God, it is now. The time is short. We need Jesus and we need each other. I don't think God's going to take us out of here as a whimpering pup. I think we're going to go out of here in a blaze of glory, in victory, because Jesus is our victory. We need each other in the house of God. If you're listening to me online, get back to the house of God. God. Get back to the house of God. Neglect not the assembling together of the brethren. Forsake not the assembling together of the brethren, but even so much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. It's almost here. We need the house of God. The early church. <laughs> oh, I just feel like I got to stay here a little bit longer. The early church broke bread from house to house and went regularly to the temple. Broke bread from house to house. And I'm convinced that Jesus wants us more connected than 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help your faith here. I'm not angry. But I am anointed. I do believe that. God help us in this moment. Prayer.
Scripture, the house of God. And fourthly is pay your tithe and give your offering. He asks you to return the tenth, the first tenth, to the storehouse. Malachi tells us that the tithe payer will receive blessings that they will not have enough room to receive it. In addition, it says that God will rebuke the devourer as well. Sadly, I have watched people live for years and years without miracles that I believe they certainly would have had had they made up their mind that they were going to tithe and they would watch God pour unexpected blessings over their lives. I'm still amazed at folks that come asking God for a miracle in their health, their finances, their marriage, their families that do not pay tithes. And yet they have an expectation that God is going to bless the soil of their soul where they, through their negligence, have pronounced a curse. Tithing has never been a financial thing. It's always been a spiritual thing. This church, I would dare say, in its 101, 102-year history, is more blessed financially than it probably ever has been, and I'm thankful for that. Our elders are here. They can vouch to it. God has blessed the church. This, is not a, this has never been about a pitch for money. But this is about creating a platform of faith. Now, I don't mind to tell you, sometimes we've been admonished as pastors, gently admonished, that we should accentuate the positive. And I do. And I just did. But I also promised the Lord when he called me to preach, I'd preach the whole Bible. We'll keep it positive, Pastor. So here's the, here's the truth. You're seeking a miracle that is positive. And positively, your pastor is trying to keep you saved. So if you go read Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, God asked the question, will a man rob God? And then he answered his own question. And he said, yeah, you have robbed me. And the people ask, how have we robbed you, God? And then God answered them in tithe and offering. And then he said, I'm being very slow and deliberate here. Then God said, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. Not the church, not the elders, not the, not the pastor, God said, you've robbed me. <laughs> I want to gently place my hands. Gently, because I'm not allowed to lay my hands on no man suddenly. That's the Bible. I can't call you a fool either. That's the Bible. But I, sometimes I just want to kind of put my right hand gently on your left shoulder and my left hand gently on your right shoulder and just kind of look at you with a smile and then shake you. <laughs> and say to you, I know what you're missing out on. People come to me and they say, Pastor, I have a financial need. And I've offended people before. Because I would ask them, do you pay tithes? How dare you? I can see the look in their eyes. I can't believe this. 
What kind of audacity is that? I come to my pastor, my shepherd, looking for... I can't pray a blessing on cursed soil. <laughs> Love the pastor. Love the pastor. Prayer. I'm talking about acting out your faith. Prayer and scripture. The house of God. Tithing. And then to, to conclude, I, I, I'd say summation, what we did last week, is just belief. It's just belief. Write it down. Journal it if you have to, but just believe. Go looking for the Lord till you find him. Active faith. You know, I, I, I like Jeremiah 29, 11, just like a lot of you do. For some of you that love Jeremiah 29, 11, maybe, it, maybe it's your favorite verse. It, it, it almost seems like it's so popular that it's become cliche. L listen to what it says. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Man, what an encouragement. Man, what a great, what a great promise of Scripture. Who wouldn't love that promise from our Heavenly Father? But then, I want you to hear Jeremiah 29, 13, which is two verses later, and maybe... Maybe there's some context here that we need to embrace. And, and, and that's this verse that says, And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. Deuteronomy echoed by Jesus in the New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. Take the miracle. Claim the miracle. Check the boxes. Is prayer a priority? Is Scripture being used in your life? Read, memorized, quoted, prayed. Is the house of God important to you? Is he getting the first tenth, the tithe? Then you believe. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You ask, you believe, you receive. You seek, you snatch, you secure. I reach out in faith. In just a few moments, we're going to gather around the altar. And if you need a miracle, we're, we're going we're to practice snatching from the unseen and bringing it into the scene. Those hands that worship God, those hands that exclaim their dependence upon the Lord. We're going to pull our miracle down. You say, you're crazy. Yeah, I am. Daniel prayed, and the first day, God heard his prayer. And the first day he prayed, God answered his prayer. Watch what happened, though. 21 days later, the prayer that was answered on day one arrived on day 21 because there was all kinds of things going on in the unseen realm, evil versus good and good versus evil. But the messenger told him, God heard you pray the first day. I, I don't know. Maybe there's just this reality that God's looking for you to check one of the four boxes.
You check the box. God, prayer is going to be my priority. The Word's going to be my priority. The house of God is going to be my priority. Tithing's going to be my priority. And I stand before you today, reaching up to you, crying out to you. I'm going to pull it from the unseen into the seen, and I'm going to do it for my good, but mostly for your glory. Stand with me if you would. If you don't need a miracle of any sort right now, life is good for you right now. That's awesome. You may need a miracle tomorrow, next week. But I've got a feeling, I've got a strong feeling that there are some people in this room, something has come to the forefront of your mind right now. You may be here and you need multiple miracles. I'm going to ask you to get out from where you are and to come and stand across this altar, fill up the aisles. Come on, come on, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate, come on. Come on. Come on, you're all over the place. You have lost children. My goodness. You'd bankrupt your life savings to see your son or daughter come to Jesus. You'd step on the tracks behind this building in front of an oncoming train to, if it would save your daughter. Maybe you're here and Maybe you have checked all the boxes. I just, I, I got to share this with you. It was when I was in my first church and I was preaching. I hadn't been preaching long. A very godly lady. Boy, she got angry with me. But she went home and she prayed. And she told me later, she said, I was offended with you, preacher until I went home and prayed about what you preached. The Holy Spirit came and He convicted me and compelled me and dealt with my heart that I needed to change. I don't know why I felt like I need to share that with someone. Somebody, somebody even is standing, you've been offended by the Word or offended by the messenger today. I'm telling you, don't miss out on your miracle. Don't let your stubborn pride keep you from your mirror. I'm going to wait another moment for some others to come. Don't allow your stubborn pride to keep you from receiving your miracle. I want you to begin to lift your hands to the Lord. Begin to reach out to Him. Begin to reach out to him. Begin to cry out to him. Come on, lift up your voices. That's right, that's right. What a beautiful, beautiful sound. What a beautiful sound. Come on, saints, press in. Press in. Seek after that miracle. I don't know what it is, but make it the singular most important thing to you right now. What is it? What is it? What is it? Speak it to the Lord. God, I'm desperate for you. Speak it to the Lord. Maybe it's your emotional health. Oh, sweet Holy Spirit, you know those that need healing in their emotions, in their minds, in their, in their outlook, in their self-esteem, in their perspective. God, would you touch them? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 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 You're seeking with those hands raised, you're seeking. 
This may seem a little odd, but I want you to start pulling it down. Keep doing it. Reach up and pull it down. Not only are we seeking for it, we're snatching it. <laughs> Woo! We're pulling it down. We're pulling it from the unseen to the seen. My God, my God, come on, all over this place. Even you that are standing in, oh, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. Come on. Come on. Be active with your faith right now. Reach up and pull it down. Oh, God, we're reaching up. Oh, we're pulling it down. We're reaching up. We're pulling it down. We're seeking. We're, my God, my God. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is touching hearts across this altar right now. My God, my God. Kingdom suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. God, we're vigilant with our faith today. We're active with our faith today. Oh, we reach up to you. Lord, we pull down. My God, we pull down every stronghold that would keep this miracle from becoming reality in our life. I felt the Holy Ghost just then. We pulled, come on, saints. We pull down every single stronghold that hinders the move of God in our life and in our family. My God. left hand raised left hand only take your right hand <laughs> and like you're gathering the sheaves bring it around and put it on your heart right now now we're going to secure it my God we're going to call those things which be as though they were not my blessed God we're going to speak it into existence we've sought for it we've snatched it and now we're going to secure it there's not a devil in hell that's going to steal our miracle from us Oh, somebody give him praise right now. Come on, give him praise right now.